Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Russ M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, March 1st, 2024, and we're reading from the big book. We're in Bill's story. We are on page seven, and we're reading that first paragraph, starting with, my brother-in-law is a physician, and we're ending with, I had been, I had been seriously and bodily, seriously ill, bodily and mentally. Okay. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, we have Julie G, for the traditions, Tenzin P, starting off reading the text is Judith S. P. Page 164 is Susan S. H, our backup readers, Anne-Marie M, newcomer greeters, Krista F, second hour hearse is Colleen M, and announcements is Kathy S. It's Kathy S, yeah. All right, our reference numbers for yesterday, the 29th of February, 2024, Thursday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 21,182. That's 2-1-1-8-2. 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 21-183. So 21,183, 2-1-1-8-3. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, excuse me, ideology or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took to which are suggested as a program of recovery. So I asked Julie G to, to uh, share the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Julie G, a compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Here are the 12 steps of OA. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. I pass. Thanks, Julie. Next up is Tenzin P. with the traditions. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility side enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much, I pass. Thanks, Tenzin. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Bill's story, page seven, the first uh, first paragraph. And it starts with, my brother-in-law is a physician. And it ends with, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And Judith S.P. is going to start us off today. Thank you, Judith. 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 Thank you, Jud
Good morning, Ross, and good morning, everybody. My name is Judith S.P. from Maryland. Truly grateful and recovered today. Thank you, God. My brother-in-law is a physician, and through his kindness and that of my mother, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Under the so-called belladonna treatment, my brain cleared. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped much. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And uh, I would like to start with uh, how I how I read Bill's story here. And uh, Bill was very, very ill from alcoholism, from his twisted thinking, from all the devastation in his life. And uh, through the grace of God and the universal experiences and kindness, and love of his brother-in-law and his mother, he was brought to a safe environment where he could gain some rehabilitation. The Belladonna treatment helped clear his brain a little, but it was temporary. Hydrotherapy, water, swimming, mild exercise all helped him. But one thing, the greatest nugget of all, was he met a kind doctor who we now can identify as Dr. Silkworth, who explained to him, explained to him, mean he told him in plain language that even though he had all these horrific experiences and symptoms, that he was very ill. And there's many things I could share with you now about how it was, what happened, and where I am. But I will focus on when I was in my late 20s through the kindness of family members and the great fear of my parents, a nationally known hospital in Maryland, one of three long-term psychiatric facilities, was found for me. And I came down here to Maryland from New York, and I came down with a boatload of medications. And the hospital staff said, you can take those home. We don't use medication. She'll be offered psychotherapy in the form of psychoanalysis, um, swimming, tennis, plant therapy, music therapy, dance therapy, and so on. And they explained to my parents that I was very ill. I was suicidal and had tried what appears now to be fairly harmless, but in action suicide. I was miserable. Anyway, It worked. It was almost like I was becoming reborn, but it was aborted because the true nature of my illness is and was spiritual. The malady was and still is in its healing process. The soul, the whole of my soul, which food, rage, uh, isolation, fury at the world, Uh, just made it impossible for me to function. And through a marvelous psychoanalyst and analytic doctor, I was offered the opportunity 
to begin the healing process and more will be revealed. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thanks, Susan. Appreciate it. So now we're going to open up the lines for sharing. And uh, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you uh, shared Wednesday or Thursday, please step out back and allow all this to share. I'll let you know if I heard you. And I'm, if we could do it one at a time, that would be great. I know it's going to be tough, but we're Christy in Tanya D. Lisa C. Todd. Tanya. Melissa J. All right, there was someone before Melissa. Anita J. Anita, that's who it was. Anita. Robin P. in Costa Rica. Robin. So I got Chris G., Tanya. Which I Tony didn't get the first Scotland. Okay, Tony too. So we got Tony too. So Chris G, Tony, oh. I didn't get the first didn't get the uh, first initial of your dance name. Lisa C, then S, Anita J, Melissa C, Robin P and Tony B. Anyone else for the first round? Yvonne H. All right. Yvonne H. Honey Yetness in Texas. That's it. I think we're good now. Okay. Thank you. I think we're good. You're in. So, we got a heck of a good list today. So, Chris G., you're up. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your service. And thank you, everybody, for uh, bringing this meeting, making it it happen. Uh, So, so my brother-in-law is a physician. So, uh, the kindness of my mother, the family. Family is such important that, that, that we have to appreciate our family. Now, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Uh, I was uh, uh, hospitalized for mental uh, rehabilitation, and um, it, it was, uh, I look back on it as being necessary and as being a, a nest. It was a safe place. So the, 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 the uh, the, the description of it being a safe place uh, where, I, where I was uh, given a time to recover. So best of all, a kind doctor who explained that, that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. So um, just because I was uh, seriously selfish and seriously foolish didn't mean that I wasn't seriously ill uh, in, in, in body and mind. And um, so I, 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 I know a lot of um, my sick thinking is black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking. And I want to move into the gray area where um, uh, I can uh, 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 accept that I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally and move on from there. You know, that, that this, this denial that, oh, nothing's wrong and everything's okay isn't necessarily true. And I, and I do need help. And sometimes we need uh, to just rest, and uh, that doesn't come natural. So I'm going to pass and let, and I'm excited to hear what other people have to say today. All right, thanks, Chris. Next up is Tanya, followed by Lisa C. But I didn't get the first initial of your last name, Tanya. 
Hi, uh, this is uh, Tanya D, as in dog, uh, recovered liver eater in uh, Illinois. Um, thanks for leading, Russ, and thanks for everybody's service. Um, yeah, so what, um, you know, what this reminds me of that though I had been, um, uh, that being explained that he was seriously bodily and mentally ill is, uh, you know, what I experienced like coming into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, um, where I learned about, you know, the nature of my illness because, and, and that was a big relief because, you know, I'd struggled for years to figure out how to get control over the food, you know, wondering what was wrong with me. And my best answer is, you know, I need to try another diet. I need to try another way of eating. I need more motivation. I need this or that. You know, I had tried like all sorts of things, but they did not recognize that I was different from other people, that I was, um, you know, seriously bodily and mentally ill and that things that might work for other people, like, you know, <laughs> eating uh, a certain way, like just did not work for me. Um, so it was a big relief to come into the rooms and to hear um, about, you know, the way my thinking works, kind of like the way Bill's thinking works, um, the way the allergy uh, works for me when I can't stop uh, eating certain foods, you know, after having uh, one bite. Um, so that was really, really important, you know, understanding that the fight I was fighting was just in the wrong place entirely. Uh, but of course, as we'll see in the next couple paragraphs, um, self-knowledge on its own is not enough, right? So I have to recognize the true nature of my disease. That's really, really important. Um, and again, a big relief, at least it was for me. Um, but that on its own will not lead me to recovery, right? Because the true nature of my illness is I also can't stop myself uh, from starting. So I can't just be, you know, vigilant and watch out. I really need to work um, this program of recovery to get to the point where um, I don't get the mental blank spots that cause me to um, to pick up. But it does start with understanding the nature of my illness. Thanks. And with that, I'll pass. All right, Tanya, thank you. Next up is Lisa C. followed by Lynn S. Hi. Hi, good morning. This is Lisa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, thanks, everyone, for this meeting, and God help me to um, just share something helpful today um, because I received so much <laughs> uh, from this meeting and from all of you. Thank you. Um, okay, so... <clears throat> I really yesterday something struck me as I was listening to the meeting on this, uh, the, the first uh, sentence there, um, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony two more years. It made me immediately think of forgiveness. It made me realize that, oh my gosh, all those years <laughs> I was in and out of the food, my body was modeling for me what forgiveness is. Um, by constantly trying to heal, no matter what the, 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 the torture of the disease was putting it through, um, every day my body tried to renew itself, you know. And now this paragraph today just makes me um, really realize, like, the power of healing. You know, even upon reading it, it's like I can feel it. It's palpable um, what, what it means to rest and restore and rehabilitate and what the kindness of people, other people, <laughs> people who aren't sick or recovered people. I, I know for sure that there were some people in my life in my 20s um, who I'm pretty sure had this disease and were kind of giving me some little 
caution signals. Um, and now it's like looking back, I say to myself, gosh, like that was someone who, who understood my problem and could see that I had it before I could. And, and because of that person, then when I, when I did come into OA, it was like I knew, I knew that I was in the right place. Um, I also, uh, I think that, you know, this also makes me think about, um, you know, uh, even sick people, spiritually sick, mentally, physically sick, um, deserve compassion and kindness. It reminds me of just the power of compassion and extending myself to those who, um, who seem to need the least help, um, those who put up the biggest walls need the most listening and kindness and gentleness. Um, and to be in a recovered state today and be able to do that for others is a miracle. It's God's work. I believe in that. And, um, you know, to, to really thank my body for its constant forgiveness, to thank my spirit, to thank God, you know, really, um, you know, on the cellular level, my body has forgiven me. Um, I don't have mysterious high white blood cell counts that no one can figure out. I don't have any number of possible autoimmune diseases that no doctors could figure okay. out what they were. Thank you. Um, you know, that, that's a miracle. That's my body forgiving me in real time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Next up is Lynn S. Followed by Anita J. Good morning, Vision. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. The kindness, a kind doctor who explained that I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And this popped into my head when we read that paragraph. I remember being at some doctors. Remember it was a woman, a young woman. And she was kind to me and I was there because of my weight and she said you know Lynn there's something really wrong with you you know and and I stared her down with that look that I had those death rays and I just said to her look you take care of the weight and I'll take care of everything else and I stormed out of her office, and I never went back. And that was the story of my life. I was just thinking of it, and there's words, and I think it's in the big book where it talks about we're stupidly stubborn. And in just listening to the other sharing, too, I realized that was the disease fighting for its life right there. And it won for many, many, many more years. I, I have no idea who that lady was. I would love now to be able to go back to her and tell her you were so right. And I, I, I didn't know. I couldn't see it. I have no idea what she thought was wrong with me because I never stayed to find out. And it might have been helpful. But I am so grateful. Like Our God doesn't give up on us. And he did continue to send out a search and rescue mission for me until I finally surrendered and accepted his help. And with, for that, I am so grateful. But what a remember when. I wish I knew who that lady was. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Next up is Anita J. 
followed by Melissa C. Hey, Ross. Thank you for all your continued Friday service. Um, this is Anita J, uh, living in the recovery, uh, west of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, what I'm looking at that's kind of blinking at me is um, the will is amazingly weak when it comes to combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. And this is the, why my recovery took so long, decades long, because I was focusing really on, but it's strong in other respects. So, you know, give me a break. Look at how good I'm doing in all the other ones. Instead of using this information, looking at it deeper, it's telling me I have an illness here. And if I could just keep my eyes and ears open, there's a solution coming. This isn't a dire prediction that there's sorry we have no cure yet. Not that there is a cure, but there's a way to hold it at bay and get some peace and contentment. But instead, I just, I had such a fear. I, you know, I was never hospitalized, but I've had a lot of, um, you know, well, once was a psychiatrist and the rest were like therapists. But we uncovered, we uncovered that I had PST, that I had repressed a terrible, uh, some stuff happened when I was three years old. And the thing is, self-knowledge, you know what? Thank God I know it, but I still stayed from 40 pounds overweight, I've hit 80. And once I had a 100-pound swing, self-knowledge availed me nothing. So it's, it's, it's just listening to this, really wanting to get better and knowing there is a solution coming. It's okay to read this now. You're safe. You're with people who love you and know the same thing. You're not the only one. And um, Actually, I've just come to admire Bill very much. Hang it, letting it all hang out and help all of us. And so with that, I pass. Thank you, Russ. Thanks, Nita. Appreciate it. Before we get Melissa C up, let's just uh, let me let you know where we're at. He jumped on a little later. Where we are in Bill's story, page seven, first paragraph. My brother-in-law is a physician down through I had been cheerful, bodily, and mentally. All right, Melissa, you're up. Hey, good morning, Russ. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa Stammer, recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I'm so glad that um, those stories being told through his voice once recovered, you know, and it's not being told real time. Because when I read this paragraph, you know, I I imagine, and I I could be wrong, but um, you know, I I would I would guess that when he was, you know, lovingly, kindly <laughs> offered help from his brother-in-law and his mother, um, he might not have been seeing them as being so kind and loving. I mean, that that for me, you know, I had um. I had people, my mother, my father, um, 
um, my mother-in-law who made countless attempts to try to help me. You know, I, I went into outpatient hospital programs. Um, you know, I, I all kinds of schemes and, and ideas and things um, that they, you know, at the urging of my parents, um, you know, tried to, tried to offer me some help. Unfortunately, the places that offered me help didn't really have the information that this, that this kind of offer. But I know that at the time when that help was being offered, you know, I took it because I just wanted relief from the consequences of being a compulsive eater. I didn't really want to stop eating for good yet, um, but I wanted to, like, get them off my back, maybe, get the world off my back, kind of be a little bit of what I saw as a winner if I could lose some weight. And, um, you know, and so today when I look back, um, I look back with such incredible love and affection for for the people that really tried to help me because, you know, although at the time I thought, well, they just don't love me fat, you know, and that they're just judging me and they just want me to be thin so that they look like they're doing a good job. And um, that really wasn't the case. You know, the case was that they loved me so much and they didn't want to see me suffering. They just didn't want to see me living with morbid obesity and they didn't want to see me living in torment and torture, but that's the way that I lived. And I do remember feeling incredible, thank you, God, when I finally came into Overeaters Anonymous and I learned that my body, you know, and my mind were set. And unfortunately, you know, self-knowledge, like we heard, did not get me, you know, didn't get me there, but... There was great relief. I remembered finally feeling like, oh, that's why I can't eat the way other people eat. And and I'm sick. You know, I'm a sick person. Um, but I didn't, you know, it took me a while to follow through because um, this sick person, yeah, I'll finish up with, this sick person doesn't get well just knowing that they're sick. I needed a course of treatment, and that's the 12 step treatment from some medicine. It works without passing. Thanks, Melissa. Appreciate it. Next up is Robin P. Followed by Tony B. Thanks so much, Russ. Thanks for your service and everyone who makes this meeting possible. I am Robin P. And I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Costa Rica. And, uh, you know, I went through treatment and it didn't help me. I also remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is a disease? What? And I had so much denial, and it's amazing how much arrogance and denial a person can have in the midst of a very low bottom of bulimia um, and, you know, uh, compulsive reading, just amazing. Um, and I also, I just know there have been so many angels along the way, and you know, I didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear at the time and, and missed that they were being angels. And now I notice all the angels, and I notice when I get to be an angel for somebody, too, and it's such a blessing on both sides of that. And, um, you know, and also self-knowledge availed me nothing. And I remember, you know, learning about and, and coming to my first meetings years ago 
at the Moravian Church in New York City and, and just th- thinking, oh my gosh, these people look like they have a solution, but they're talking about God. And I, it was just so, it was, it was a long road. It was my bridge to God and my bridge to recovery. And, but I also thought, well, if I have the self-knowledge, I should be okay, just like Bill. And, and it, it didn't work either. And it's really about staying in the steps and reaching up and reaching out and uh, staying in the solution. And I'm just not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's been a real gift of grace. I feel like to be able to be honest, open, and willing enough to work the steps and and to live in them and um, to be of service to God and my fellows. I'm so grateful that I'm living in the solution today. And um, God bless everybody with a really blessed, abstinent day and weekend. I pass. Thanks, Robin. Next up is Tony B, followed by Yvonne H. Hello, family. My name is Tony B, and I am a compulsive overeater. I'm gratefully recovered for today in Scotland. And um, thank you so much, Judith, for your introductory share. And thank you for all that you've given me and for our connection. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so um, his family cared. You know, he was fortunate. He was blessed with that. The um, the socks that went on before and still go into death today, I you know, I would suggest often are not so blessed. And I was blessed as well when my when I had my mental breakdown, I had a family and a home to return to. I'd had psychotherapists, psychiatrists, doctors who had cared and tried to help. Um, my brother had driven hundreds of miles to pick me up from university when my mental health was dropping off. He came miles again when I'd had a suicide attempt and took me into his home. And um, my parents supported me financially when I couldn't support myself. I have been blessed with that, and God bless Bill's brother-in-law and his mother, um, who helped him, you know, and in doing so helped all of us. Um, My brain did clear in a mental health unit, I recall. I remember hearing the bird song in the morning, and I really liked the routine of the set meals. I felt grateful that I wasn't eating, overeating. My mother also took me to a health spa for water therapy, massage, heat therapy and again set meals that were tailored to my needs and my brain cleared I felt hopeful for sure I felt hopeful but it didn't last Um, and then yeah Bill here's this from Dr. Silkworth the truth for the first time that he's sick um, seriously sick um, bodily and mentally and this is indeed best of all um, something best of all that happened for him and for us because it's one part of the puzzle. And along with one alcoholic talking to another and taking the steps, which comes a bit later in this chapter, we have an effective um, treatment for all kinds of addictions. You know, hallelujah, that's the, there's the solution. Um, and it made it possible, you know, for that moment to happen to me when the message was clearly carried when I was ready to hear it. Thank you, Harlan, for that. I called you up randomly last um, last May, and you kindly just said to me, put the food down because I'm bodily sick, work the steps because I'm mentally sick, and for some reason it landed. Um, and uh, I, I, love, I, I love this meeting and this fellowship. I'll leave it there. Thank you, Russ, for your service. Love you all. Thanks, Tony. 
Next up is Yvonne H. Bob by Anietta. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for sharing, for your service, Yvonne H. Grateful compost over in the province of Germany. Happy to be here with you. Um, to the part where he talks about rehabilitation. Um, I'm also, I've also been uh, in a, uh, four times in rehabilitation centers. And it were centers which worked with the 12 steps. Oh, that's what I thought. But in, it, they really, they didn't do the big book with us. The only thing they did was to send two or three AAs and show us the pro- program. So, okay. Anyway, all these years in this program were a lot of things I didn't know. I went on compulsive overeating. I stopped drinking. Thank God. And there were many things I didn't know. I didn't know I had a twisted mind. I didn't know I. it was important to know that I came from a dysfunctional alcoholic family. My mother was an alcoholic. I didn't know all these things. So I only thought I am the one who is wrong, who is bad, who doesn't know, who... And I kept beating me up and trying diet and diet and everything. Until the miracle came that to an OA fellow, I learned that I have to do exactly what what says in the big book, that's all. And that's really all. That's really all. I need to do what says in the big book. And the other thing she said to me was, um, the uh, fellowship is the most important part. You need to be to, with the fellows and not in your isolation. I tried to do it, to do it alone. That didn't work. So now I've been giving her my food plan since last April. Every day, no exceptions, every day. And I do exactly what the big book says. And I'm happy. I have a good life. And I may have breakdowns. Always thought that is the most important part of this program. The start is the program, and the program is God. And either there is God, or God is everything, or God is nothing. So now I know. I start my day with God before I open the eyes. And I go to bed with God, and I'm with God all day long. All day long I say, help me, God. Help me. Help me to accept. Help me to accept. Because the most part, important part for me is to accept. No matter what. If it is my thought, if it is a behavior or a behavior from somebody else, all of this keeps me abstinent. All of this keeps me in the hands of God. I give my hands in God's hands. And that is all I need to do. I stay abstinent. Sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes more it's easier. But that's what I do. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Yvonne. Next up is Anietta, and then we'll take another list. Uh, good morning. There you go. You good morning. Um, I want to first, uh, my name is Connie Yetta, and I'm a compulsive eater, and I'm grateful to be here. 
And I want to thank Judith for a really good start. And Russ, thank you for your service. Um, so I remember when I was 17 years old and I was standing in the doorway with my mom and dad and my mom really was trying to help me. I didn't see it at that time. I hated her for doing this. She said, look, Bernie, your daughter is on drugs and she's drinking and she's eating everything out of the refrigerator. She's, she's something wrong with her. You know, and my dad turned around and looked at me and said, are you any of those things? I said, no way, Dad. And he said, see, Shirley, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with her. But my mom did try to help me, and I knew when I got in recovery that she was actually trying to be my 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 helper, my, my guide, and, and nobody would let her. Um, so later in life, after I got into programs, it's like five decades ago, um, we, uh, things started really changing in my life, but then I started back again, and, um, I did go into a treatment for six weeks, and I think I came out of there more emotionally sick than I was when I went in. It was terrible. And, uh, I've been in psychiatric wards several times after that, and, um, what I found out yesterday was in all my years and all my step work because I've done step work all the time you know I'm always worked the steps through through my life in in program and um but I found out I've never done a four step the way I was told to do it yesterday and and I'm thinking maybe I just have never done this before correctly and and it's really good to know that. And my husband was kind of upset that I had to do this again. And I said, and he goes, why do you think this is happening? And I said, well, I don't know. I've had three sponsors now, not because I've wanted to change, but because they couldn't sponsor me anymore. And and maybe it led me to the person that's going to really guide me through these through this four steps, doing it the right way. And maybe I'll get to the bottom of some of the things that still bother me. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for all of you on the phone. Um, you are really making a difference in my life. And uh, I appreciate that so much. So everybody have a good weekend. Uh, abstinent, hopeful, delightful, fun weekend. And uh, um, I guess we'll see each other next Monday. Okay. Um, Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Russ, I don't hear you. I'm talking over here. I have myself muted. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> okay, no All problem. right, thanks, honey. I have to appreciate it. So now we're going to open up the lines for sharing again. If you shared in the past couple of days, please step back. And we're sharing on Bill's story. Page seven, first paragraph. My brother-in-law is a physician. Through that paragraph, ending with, I had been seriously ill, bodily and mentally. Who would like to share on this? Ken W. Janice P.M. Dev H. Hold on one second. Janice P.M. There was someone before Jeannie. Dev H. Anne-Marie. Got Anne-Marie. Uh... Somebody H. Someone H. Deb. 
Bev. Oh, Bev. For Beverly. Uh, yeah. yeah, Bev, you were in there before Janice. I knew I heard that. All right. We could take one more. Let's try one more, see if we have enough. I, I think we might be cutting it close, but. Novella P for me. All right, Novella. That's going to be it. Hopefully we can get to everybody. All right, thank you. Ken WH, you are out, buddy. Thank you, Brother Russ. I appreciate it. I'm Ken WH, Recovered Compulsive Eater from North Carolina. Uh, I have to, my <clears throat> previous training uh, has taught me that I, I really need to read things in context. And I do have to put this this paragraph into the context of what's around it. And if I read it uh, just as it is, um, it it all sounds just great. But I have to read it with um, a, a little bit of skepticism for Bill because he's not ready yet. He's not done. Um, he's been pampered here, been taken care of. He's feeling better. Um, the drugs really did a, a good job, I guess, and hydrotherapy and rest, and he might as well have been playing golf, too. Um, but he said the best of all is I met a kind doctor. And I don't know that he means that in, in the full sense of, wow, this was just absolutely wonderful that I met this man. If I'm, I read it more as, oh, my goodness, he told me what was wrong with me. And he explained, explained, which spoke to my mind. Um, that's, I was certainly selfish and foolish, but I was sick. And for me, I, you know, for years I lived like Flip Wilson's Josephine. You know, the devil made me do it. Uh, it wasn't my fault. I didn't. Uh, wasn't my fault. It was the devil. And it took a long time for me to get to the place to say that it wasn't that the devil made me do it. The devil never made me pick up chocolate and put it in my mouth. The devil gave me the idea that it was a good idea and that it would be good for me to do that. But it, uh, the devil didn't stuff it down my throat. I picked it up ultimately. And Bill's going to find that out still. Uh, he hasn't gotten there yet. He's got an excuse. He's got a, an explanation um, he's got a way out, if you will, uh, to explain uh, his behaviors and that it's this illness. And what am I going to do about it? You know, what, <laughs> he's not at that solution place yet. And um, I have to remember that, that uh, it, it's going to take ultimately it's going to take the surrender, not the explanation, but it's going to take the surrender. And that's what it took for me. Uh, I didn't need a lot more explanation. I just needed uh, basically to stop thinking and just surrender, 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 as a friend of us online says so often. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. And I know who Flip Wilson is. I'm old enough. Bev H is up, followed by Janice PM, but I think that might, it might be it. But you know me, I'm not good with the math. Go ahead, Bev. Hi, this is Bev H., compulsive overeater in Maryland. When I read this, I keep thinking about, um, again, the kindness that he found in Dr. Silkworth. And the, it brought me back to my youth when I went to a doctor by myself. I was like 13, I think. And I walked 
through this doctor, made the appointment, everything, to talk to him about my weight. And he came in the room and he started joking about, oh, I could be a quarterback for the football team. And he was, I don't know, trying to shame me, trying to shame me into losing weight or um, trying to make light of the situation. But it was so humiliating for me. And um, it's as if he didn't realize that I had been made fun of for my weight my whole life and already felt enough shame that that certainly would never work um, to inspire me to want to lose weight. And then I just kept thinking about how I've done that to myself through my whole life, how my own self-loathing, my own self-deprecation and um, the way that I looked down on myself because of my, my weight gain just led to more weight gain that I would find myself feeling so bad about being heavy that it would make me go and eat more. Um, I know that's a common story, a common theme, but I also, a long time ago, I started thinking, you know, if I had been happy with my weight when I was at, let's say, 150, then I probably would have been, you know, I mean, I'm an addict, I recognize that, but I don't necessarily know that I would have had to have gained, you know, another 50 pounds. Um, after that. And the self-loathing for me just led to that. Anyway, it's with kindness that I want to treat myself. It's with kindness that I want to think about myself and help myself and with kindness and compassion that I want to treat other people. Um, With that, I'll pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Bev. So, as always, I messed up the time here. So I have time if if Janice and Jeannie take two and a half a piece, we should be right on the money. And Amory and Novella, you can you can yell at me later. I'm sorry about that. So Janice, if you could take two and a half and then Jeannie two and a half. Okay, Rush. This is Janice PM, gratefully recovered from the state of Massachusetts. And if you would please time me, I'm going to try to make two, two and a half minutes for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, You know, this paragraph, my brother-in-law, well, you know, I came in here thinking, oh, Miss Hutchart, you know, uh, my brother-in-law, I lived with the doctor. I was married to one. And with my disease, not knowing that it was a mind disease, because I refused all, I mean, everybody else in my family was sick, but not me. I just had a food problem. And that was physical. So give me something that would help me take away my my appetite, right? And then I'll be all set. Well, I begged my husband, please, see how I eat and see, I need a pill. Could you write me a script? So I thought I was so unique, you know, that, that I thought that would be the power that I needed. I wasn't honest with myself. We know that. I mean, I know that. The very first step, I thought I had the willpower. I thought the pill would be the, the, the treatment, would be the solution. Now, we all know that man-made makes the pills, and I am beyond human 
aid. Of course, I didn't know that in 1964, 65, when I got married, I thought, oh, my husband, you know, he'll do this. And he, you know, like, okay, Janice, come down from, a, from, the, high, from the high horse that you are. You are powerless. And I thought I was unique. And of course, I think the thing here is that there's no human power that's going to fix a sick mind because unless the one that created this mind and I found it when I put the food down and went to the steps and found that power to change my thinking. Before that, I couldn't accept anything. And uh, believe you me, when I wanted to eat, that was more powerful than not wanting to eat. I, I wouldn't take the pill. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. Appreciate it. And then Jeannie, you got two and a half minutes. Hi, everyone. This is Jeannie B. Recovered in Florida. And I hear this paragraph. It makes me so sad. I'm sad that this solution that has saved my life wasn't available for Bill and the others. And I'm sad for me because I didn't find, I didn't even hear of OA, even though AA was out there in the ether. I, I didn't hear of OA. And I suffered until I was uh, 53 years old. And I suffered thinking, oh my God, Jeannie, you've got to do something is owning you and I didn't know there was an answer and I tried I didn't even know there were other people I really didn't know there was anyone else out there no matter their size who had this freaking sick compulsion I did to eat ridiculous amounts of food to eat in ridiculous behaviors especially trash for me it was particularly shameful and every time I did it, I was like, fucking, something's wrong. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I'm sad for the me who didn't know. And I'm, I'm sad for anybody who doesn't know because although this is in a sense, an ex, in a sense, an extreme, it is the only thing that would have saved me from a life of the shame and blame and destruction destroying my life and destroying my body cycle. And I'm only really grateful, also really grateful that I found it before these stupid drugs that would have made me lose 30 pounds because you're darn right, I would have taken the easier solution. So I'm so grateful to be healthy today. And thank you, Vision, for being here every day. I pass. All right, thank you. So we're cutting it close here. It's uh, we only got about 20 seconds. So we're going to end uh, the meeting. And uh, Anne Marie and Novella stick around for the next uh, next meeting. Sorry about that. And we thank everyone for sharing. And we just ask whoever wants to share stick around for the next meeting. All right. Today's share ID is 21,185. That's 21185. 
And now we're, we're going to uh, close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll, uh, Susan S.H., read a vision for you. A book, book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Russ. I'd love to. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. You realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.